Friday uh, was Vesak. Uh, some of you may know that, and that is uh, the first full day in May, and it's one of the most sacred days to millions of Buddhists around the world. It is said to be the day the Buddha was born, the day he attained enlightenment, and the day he died. So whether or not that actually all happened, those three things all happened on the same day, I think it's just used, that day is used as a commemoration of the importance of the Buddha and the importance that the Buddha has played in the lives of countless millions of people over the last 2,500 years. Um, incredi incredibly important. And I never celebrate it. I, it's actually not even on my, um, <clears throat> it's not even in my awareness. The only reason I uh, remember it is because a lot of my friends and a lot of my peers and colleagues post about it on Facebook or on other social media, and that's how I see it. And then I'm reminded that I forgot about it. And it's like, wow, because it wasn't part of my, the teaching, the practice I was trained in um, coming up. Um, my teachers really didn't talk about it, so I never became part of, of what I do. And so as I, um, I think about it and as I see all these other things about it, it's, it makes me ask the question, Am I a bad Buddhist? Am I a bad Buddhist because I don't celebrate this incredibly important holiday? I'm not observant. And um, it got me thinking about, you know, what's a bad Buddhist? What's a good Buddhist? And then instead, the sentence that always comes up, the, the admonition is like, don't be a Buddhist, be a Buddha. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about this afternoon, this invitation to not be so caught up in the idea of what is a Buddhist, but instead, what does it mean to actually put these teachings into practice and walk towards being a Buddha? A Buddha simply means awakened one, enlightened one. Siddhartha Gautama, once he was... Um, uh, he gained enlightenment, he was given the honorific of Buddha. And there were many Buddhas before he was born, and there have been probably many Buddhas since then. And so it's not, it's not, and somebody yesterday when I was talking about this said, well, I'm not a Buddha, so how can I walk through life being a Buddha? But it's, you're walking in that direction. We're walking a path that takes us towards freedom, you know? And I get a lot of questions. I've, I've gotten a lot of questions over the years of um, what's the right way to practice? What's the wrong way to practice? What does a Buddha do? What, is, what would a Buddhist do? What would a Buddhist not do? And it makes sense. Human nature is, wants, wants things to be settled, wants to have... Uh, it's, it's uncomfortable with uncertainty, so the mind wants to know, well, what's the, what's the right thing? What's the answer? If you tell me the answer, then I can follow that. I can do that. And then I know I'm going, doing the right thing. You know, what are the commandments? What are the thou shalts and thou shalt nots? And um, Buddhism isn't like that. Buddhism isn't like that. There's a lot of um, um, 
I won't say ambiguity, but there's a lot of practice and finding your own way. The Buddha lived, you know, over 2,500 years ago, and his teachings weren't written down till long after he died. And by the time he had, they, by the time they were written down, it said that there were 18 different schools that had already developed. So there were 18 different interpretations of what his teachings meant. And then Buddhism spread from India all over Asia. It was spread north, it spread to Southeast Asia, to East Asia, and it's really adaptable. The teachings are really adaptable and they blend well with local traditions that are already there. So you have all these different flavors of Buddhism and you see it today. If you look around, there's uh, Theravada, which is the um, lineage of the elders, which is, you know, early Buddhism, which is what I practice, Vipassana insight tradition, early Buddhism. It kind of hangs out with the the Pali Canon, the earliest suttas, the earliest the earliest scriptures or discourses of the Buddha, and then you have Mahayana, which is later, and Vajrayana, and inside Mahayana you have Zen, and then you have Pure Land, and then you have Nichiren, and then you have Soka Gokai and Tibetan, and then all of the different iterations inside of each of those, like you have Rinzai Zen and Soto Zen, and it's just spreads throughout the world. So it's impossible to say that there is this one particular form of Buddhism. So if you say, what's a good Buddhist? It's like, what are you talking about? I took a, I took a class. It was an online class a couple of years ago through Harvard. And it was called Buddhism Through Its Scriptures. And it was incredibly illuminating. I learned so much that I had never known. I had been studying for years, but this looked at it not as a, this is what you do, this is how you practice, but a much more religious studies, humanities um, point of view. And the, um, you know, in, in the Pali Canon, it talks about how the Buddha died. You know, he, he died at, at some point. And, um, but there are later suttas that say, well, he actually didn't die, but that was a teaching that those people in that time needed. It was skillful means. The Buddha is actually still alive. So there are all these different suttas that hey, say all these different things. Um, so to say what is a Buddhist is not an easy question. And it's also important to remember that the Buddha did not teach Buddhism. Buddhism didn't exist when he was around. What he did was he taught the understanding the nature of suffering and the end of suffering. When you would ask him all these different, it, there were suttas where people would go up to him and say, well, what about this and what about that and what about this? And, and he would say, I'm not answering those questions. I teach suffering and the end of suffering. He taught the Dharma and an invitation to be present with reality. Um, there's, one, there's one discourse um, where there is this monk or this, yeah, this monk called Malunkya Puta who was trying to figure out those great metaphysical questions like whether the world is eternal or the world is not eternal or is it finite or infinite, infinite and 
you know, there's all that what happens after death and blah, blah, blah. And he was annoyed because the Buddha was refusing to answer his questions. The Buddha's like, I'm not answering those questions. And um, so one day this monk, Malankyaputta, said, all right, either you answer my questions or I'm out of here. And the Buddha said, you know what? The spiritual life does not depend on answers to these questions, which are distractions from the challenge of following the path, of recognizing where we are suffering and moving away from that suffering. In fact, he talked about it's like if you being hit by an arrow, um, if you're struck by an arrow, but you won't allow the doctor to treat you until you find out who hit, who, who shot the arrow, what's it made of, um, what kind of poison was used on this arrow, and so on and so forth, and you're going to die with being distracted by things that are not important, that are not going to lead you towards freedom and liberation. It's like... Um, I was, I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago who was listening to a talk by Joseph Goldstein, and Joseph Goldstein was talking about your karma and other people's karma, and she wanted to know how do you differentiate between your karma and other people's karma and based on what's happening to you that day, and it's like, I don't care. Is what I'm doing taking me towards suffering or away from suffering? It doesn't matter how I got to this point. It's what I do in this moment. How do I turn towards the reality of right here, right now? That's the path to freedom. It's a totally experiential path. Um, the, Buddha, the Buddha taught the Four Noble Truths. He gave us this path. He said there's suffering. This, our, the, the, the genesis of our suffering is the craving for wanting things to be what we want them to be all the time. This, discont this discontent with life is because we don't like what's happening. We want something different, and that's the root of the dukkha. And there is a way out, and that way is the Eightfold Path. And inside of these teachings, you have the precept, you have, you have the seven factors of awakening, you have uh, teachings about the hindrances, everything you need to know to move towards liberation, to move towards this freedom. And um, in the book, um, Mindfulness in Plain English, uh, which is a classic, uh, Bhante Gunaratana said that meditation, meditation is a way to move towards this reality, move towards this path of ending suffering, um, this path of liberation. And he says, meditation is running straight into reality. It does not insulate you from pain, the pain of life, but rather allows you to delve so deeply into life and all its aspects, you pierce the pain barrier and go beyond suffering. You are so present that you're no longer worried about pleasure or pain. You're just fully present and you let go of that preference. You let go of wanting things to be this and wanting things to be that. There's this total ability to be present. But it takes the work of these teachings of this Eightfold Path. Another important teaching in this regard is the famous Kalama Sutta, 
where the Buddha went to this one village of the Kalamas, and they came up to him, and they said, basically, they said, you know, every week we get another wise man coming to the village and telling us his story and what his beliefs are and just defaming everybody else and telling us everybody else's teachings are garbage. Okay, what do you got? And the Buddha, that's my interpretation, so that's not a direct quote, but... Um, the Buddha said, um, you know, he said, don't believe, he, he said these things, don't believe it just because people say it, you know, what's your experience? He said, don't believe anything just on hearsay, just because you heard it, because you read it on the internet, you know, so-and-so said it, is it true for you? you know? I like this one, don't believe in traditions just because they're old and have been handed down for many generations. Even the Buddhist teachings, is this true for you? Is this taking you away from discontent, towards ease, towards freedom? Don't, be, don't believe anything on account of rumors or because people talk about it a great deal. You know, if people talk about it enough, you're going to believe it. But be discerning. That's what's part of this practice is this discernment. This seeing clearly what's, what is true, what's not true. You know? Don't believe it just because you're shown the written testimony of some ancient sage. Like the Buddha wasn't an ancient sage at that point, but he is now. You know? Don't believe anything merely on the authority of your teachers or priests. I, I don't say it enough, but it's like, don't believe it just because I say it. You know, the Buddha said it, don't believe it just because I said it. See for yourself if it takes you away or towards this freedom. But whatever, this is really key, he said, whatever after thorough investigation and reflection, you find to agree with reason and experience and conducive and is conducive to the benefit of one and all of the world at large, accept that as true and shape your life in accordance with it. That's how you become a Buddha. You, you find out what is working for the benefit of all beings. You hear that a lot. We don't just practice for our own benefit. We practice for the benefit of all beings. Because what might benefit me may be harmful to someone else. And so it's this really important caveat. You know, I'm, I was thinking of that this week. I, I live in Burbank. And just driving around doing errands, I pass by Walt Disney Studios, I pass by Warner Brothers, I pass by NBC Universal, and a couple other smaller studios. And there are people the, on the Workers Guild strike. There are people out there picketing. Because what's good for the studios and what's good for the heads of the studios is not good for the, the, the writers. And so they're saying, hey, wait a minute, this isn't good. So we have to really be willing to say, is this for the good of and benefit of all? Because what drives so much of our world is this greed, is the three poisons. Greed. You know, how many 
billions is enough billions. Apparently, we don't know because people tr keep trying to make more billions. You know? Hatred. We see that today exploding everywhere. People are believing things that they're told. You know, and I went to a, I went to a thing this morning at a church in, in Pasadena. They're um, this very big church, All Saints Church. They're very welcoming and open to everyone. And they were threatened um, their, um, because they're opening to, open to trans and LGBTQ, and they were threatened. So we had this huge interfaith gathering of support, and there were Muslims and Buddhists and rabbis and all kinds of people. And everyone who spoke talked about love, you know, love. The Buddha talked about that. Hatred never ceases through hatred, but through love for the benefit of all. And they also talked about the people who are doing these things are, well, I, my, my, how I said it in my head is hurt people hurt people. You know, so recognizing that people are impacted by hatred and greed and ignorance. And to how do we work with that? How do we see that? And how do we work for the benefit of all? Really important. The messages and the teachings that support that, that's how we want to shape our lives. And that's what the teachings do talk about. The Eightfold Path, the sila, the ethical behavior piece of it. Don't kill. Don't cause harm. And not just don't, but cultivate compassion, cultivate kindness, cultivate goodwill. Don't just not take, but cultivate generosity. Don't just be, you know... Not just, you know, being wise with your speech, being tr truthful, being kind, being loving, but also saying what needs to be said. So there's this cultivation of what's important and what's beneficial and what's, what helps push us towards ending this suffering. You know, somebody, uh, another friend of mine this morning was talking about taking the bodhisattva vow, which is putting aside your enlightenment until all beings are enlightened. That's a Mahayana teaching. But it's a beautiful idea. And I was talking to some other friends of mine who are in some chap Buddhist chaplaincy training and talking about how there are bodhisattvas everywhere. You know, there are people who are working for the benefit of others everywhere. So many good groups doing so much good work. We hear so much about the negativity, but it's really important to recognize the people doing good, that this people are shaping their lives in accordance to ethical behavior and integrity and ending justice. And excuse me, and there are those, but they're ending injustice where they see it. And that's what the Buddha taught in his ethical behavior and his wisdom. See clearly Things are impermanent. They're going to change. Life is unsatisfactory. Don't put all your eggs in that basket because they're going to break. Really important to stay connected. And I have found as I move through this um, changing how I see the world to use the teachings, the Eightfold Path, primarily the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path as a guide how do I do this? How do I move through? What does the Buddha say about this? Oh, wise with my speech. Say what needs to be said. Oh, is this benefiting me? Is this benefiting others? 
or is this at least not causing harm? Um, and, you know, um, there, as I was talking about, just as there are, um, you know, all these different um, iterations of Buddhism, they talk about how there's 84,000 Dharma doors. People come to this in multiple different ways, but we all get to the same place of this cultivating kindness and compassion, not causing harm, and letting go of what causes suffering. Letting go of that arrow, that second arrow, the third arrow, the fourth arrow, that we keep shooting ourselves with. And find our own way with it. Um, the practice is very personal, too, because we each have our own stories. We have our own conditioning. I was talking, I think, last week in, in my class that I do, a weekly class, about how we're in these little boxes of, of storylines about the world and what it's supposed to look like and what's not supposed to happen. And, and we stay inside these boxes um, because that's, we've created what we think is a safe space, but it's just kind of not connected to reality because reality is happening all around, but we have these little walls that keep us from reality. And sometimes it seeps in and we get, we like it, we don't like it, we get angry, we get scared, we fight back, whatever our reactivity um, takes us to. This practice these teachings are about dissolving those walls, letting go of that box. Because when we're tr we think we're keeping ourselves safe, but we're trapped inside of it. The invitation of this practice is to be fully with reality. That's where the freedom is. Because when we're not afraid of this might happen, that might happen, there's a tremendous freedom. doesn't mean it's always pleasant. There's going to be discomfort. There's going to be unpleasant circumstances. You know, the Buddha's nephew, Buddha's cousin, tried to kill him a, lot, a number of times because he was jealous and he wanted to take over. So it's not like all of a sudden everybody's going to go, ah. You know, when you step on other people's toes, when you work to end injustice, they fight back. But we stay the course. That was George Bush, wasn't it? Um, but we stay and we do the work that needs to be done. In fact, when the Buddha when the Buddha died um, on his deathbed, he his monks were like, "Oh no, now what? How are we going to find? You know, who's going to teach us? Who's going to do this?" And he's like, "I just spent forty five years giving you these teachings. There's thousands of suttas, discourses, and they all kind of they were talking to kings, they were talking to poor people, they were talking to." all kinds of people he taught in multiple different ways so that it would reach multiple different people because we all learn different ways, we have different circumstances. And so there's all this teaching that we can access, but if you read them, they're all pointing to the same thing over and over and over again. What is, it? What is the line? Oh yeah, um, abstain from evil, cultivate the good, and purify the mind. Abstain from evil. Cultivate the good. Purify the mind. Simple. Not necessarily easy, as I always like to say. 
but simple. But we have to find out what that means for us. Ehipasiko, find your way with these teachings. Where are you stuck? Where am I stuck? You know, what gets in my way? What gets in your way? What is causing you discomfort today? It's different for each of us, but we can bring these teachings to, uh, to bear and apply them in everything we're going on, go, that's going on in our lives. And I think what is frustrating for people is because we are used to being given the answers on a silver platter or promise of the answer on a silver platter. That is the, that is, you know, the danger of fundamentalism. If you do this, you will be okay. We even had, there's even fundamentalism in Buddhism. And, you know, then we see one sects of Buddhism, Buddhists, um, you know, committing genocide on, on other people, on the Muslims. And um, so recognizing that it's, if you are holding fast to rites and rituals and teachings that must not be broken, that's a point that you need to investigate. Can you relax? Can you let go? Hold on to nothing. What is the response right here, right now? What is the action in this moment that will take me away from discomfort and towards liberation, away from dukkha and towards freedom? That's the question. We have to find our own way with this. Commitment, effort, letting go, renunciation, and taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. Taking refuge. The Buddha did it. He was a, he was a, he was a human being. We're human beings. There's the possibility for us to awaken as well. The Buddha wasn't a god. The Buddha wasn't a deity. The Buddha was just a human being with a bad back. Take refuge in the Dharma. Take refuge in the teachings. Take refuge in reality as it is, without preference. Take refuge in the way it is. And take refuge in the Sangha. We are not doing this alone. We're here in community today. There's, community, there's communities of Buddhists practicing this everywhere. And it's also taking refuge in the Sangha, our spiritual ancestors going all the way back to the Buddha, who have been practicing this. As I said, these millions of people over these thousands of years have been doing this. Taking refuge in, in that trust and faith that worked for them, I trust it's going to work for me. And see for yourself. If you've been practicing for any time, and I think most of you here have, you've probably seen some difference in your life. There's been something in your life that you perhaps don't see the same way. Perhaps there's been a change in perception. Oh, I used to think that, but now I think this. I used to react this way, and now I don't. Perhaps there's a growth of patience. Perhaps what you were struggling with, you no longer struggle with because you have a clearer view, a clearer picture. 
you have wise view. You see clearly now what causes discomfort, causes suffering, and you move in a different direction. So, thank you, my friends, for your kind, kind, kind attention. Um, I hope this was of some benefit, and I invite you to let go of trying to be a good Buddhist and instead move towards being a Buddha. Move, move in that direction. Let go of that rigidity and, and instead embrace the, the uh, equanimity of being present and responding wisely and with compassion in this moment. So thank you. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.